What's going on, guys? I'm starting to believe that platforms like Facebook or Twitter put us in positions where we're just posting for the wrong intents or just posting for likes and stuff like that. We portray ourselves as the smartest people in the world, always right, always truthful, always knowing, and it's backed up by the reactions that we get from other people. So I've gotten older and as more and more events that require real and honest conversations begin to happen, I felt the need to take these conversations off platform and into a medium where we can truly see or hear one another without having to worry about what other people are saying or feeling. There's something to be said about having a normal conversation. So my goal in making this episode was to make that kind of stuff cool again. I was always told that when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, get it? Like if you, if you write, if you write the word out, like ass you, me, anyway, um, I made a post on Facebook that led to a misunderstanding and that led to this episode. And it really shows the importance of understanding and choosing your words wisely when you say things. Um, my post was on looting and how I believe that it scales from the local or communal level to the economic and national levels. And that sparked discussions with many people, but one person in particular really spoke out and it's brought us to where we are today. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to learn and grow with him. That being said, I'm joined by Mike or Hutch, as I call him, and we put this conversation through the grinder. Looting is described as stealing goods from a place, typically during a war or riot. And I think that what we're seeing in the news today are cases of looting, uh, rampant looting in some areas. But what I wanted to point out is that our nation, rather the corporations in our nation, hell, as well as the governments themselves, they do some form of this during or after a war or just during time where there's economic or social conflict within a given country or region. Some call it pure business and opportunity, while others might call it profiteering or war profiteering or conflict profiteering. I believe that the same will happen to these communities if the same effort and energy spent tearing them down isn't also spent to rebuild them in the image fitting of the community and its people because companies and corporations are salivating at the opportunity to turn these areas that would potentially generate turn them into areas that would potentially generate more money or severely inconvenience the people living there, forcing them to depend on systems and businesses that are that put them in a position that's worse than they were before. But just because I have this view doesn't mean it's the only view. And sometimes it doesn't mean it's the right view. So I'm glad that he joined me on the discussion. And later on, actually, Mark jumps in and he shares some really good ideas. So I hope you guys find value in this one. It's just a I would consider this like one of our making sausage episodes where there's no editing. There's no whatever. It's just a conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And if any of you all want to have a conversation with me, Chris or Mark, please don't hesitate to reach out. And I would love to put your topic through the grinder. All right. Here we go. Mark and the other guy's name is Zach should be jumping on at some point, but if they don't, it's cool. Well, I'll actually have them do probably another one. Mark is actually the other one of my other co-hosts for this, uh, for the podcast. And, uh, we've, there's three of us, there's Chris, Mark and, and myself. And so we, um, with like with our normal content, we like to all three get on and we'll invite other people and stuff and just, you know, have different kinds of conversations depending on what we're talking about. But, um, I, first of all, want to thank you for jumping on to the podcast and just doing a quick, you know, uh, Skype call with me. Uh, obviously I would actually have you here 
if uh, conditions were a bit better, you know. And uh, yeah. uh, but just to be able to uh, follow the rules and maintain social distancing and stuff like that, um, we're able to do things on Skype. So I just want to thank you for your time because uh, I, I know you've got life going on. How many kids do you have now? Two, and that's it. He's <laughs> a two. And nine. Yeah. Well, uh, I just I do want to thank you for for jumping on because I can hear life is happening uh, outside of yeah. there and. Uh, um, so I just, before we get, get into the discussion, can you just introduce yourself and, you know, give us a quick little bio, if you will, uh, quick bio, uh, Mike Hutchison, uh, Bowling Green, uh, you know, born and raised here, but, uh, you know, grew up, grew up here and, uh, you know, after going through high school and all that, joined the Marines, mm-hmm. uh, spent eight years in the Marines and, uh, got out of the Marines and have been in technology since then nice. pretty much the last uh 14 years i guess sweet sweet so just to get right into it uh and i'm, I'm not going to treat this like my normal episodes where we'll go through a bunch of different stuff we'll just get straight into the meat and potatoes you and i uh were talking on facebook and in in the efforts of getting more um quality conversations not in a and I'm doing like air quotes right now, not in an arena where there's likes and follows and shares and all that bullshit. Um, I just want to be able to have a real conversation. Um, and so I put up a, I put up a status and, um, I'm trying to actually find it. Okay. Yeah. So my status and I was sitting there, it was really funny. Um, because I sit there and go like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get some conversations what's going to really get people, you know? And so I wanted to uh, create some content from this, but uh, I talked about, um, I said, remember the one time we looted and I listed a bunch of different countries. And so <clears throat> I said, you know, I listed yeah. all the countries and I listed the native American nations and middle class. And I said, that was so un-American. And then I added a part in there. I edited it. And I don't know if you saw that, but I said also, thank you, Mike. This has nothing to do with the military, but I assume people understood that. Uh, it's the corporations who benefited off the backs of them and the problems within these countries and or communities. Uh, and it's the politicians we continuously vote in who stand by and let uh, let it happen time and time again. And um, so I believe your at first your um, reaction, I believe it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was that you might have thought that I was being anti-military there. And so what I kind of want to no. talk, do what? go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, man. No, go, no it, it wasn't anti-military. I mean, like I see. Please be honest. Please it's be hard frank. to explain, is- but it's a, uh, when you say something like that, it's, it's a general generalization. Mm-hmm. across and I mean you did say you edited it but maybe you know I missed that part but it was uh, you know and I had a conversation with my wife and a few other people about it actually I was like you know I've clues posted a lot of things that I just I let roll off my back I said this is the first time he's actually ever posted something where I just felt straight up attacked mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know without my name being used or anything you know mm-hmm. I, I can deal with a lot of crap on Facebook. Sure. A lot of it, you know, I stay out of some of it, you know, I don't. But that one, you know, when you call into, you know, what the military has done and what, what we did for each other and for our country, it, it, you know, it was just 
to me, it looked like a general attack on what I spent eight years doing. Sure. Um, I know you, I think the the proper thing would be to apologize, but I'm not going to. And it's, it's not out of any sort of disrespect. It's just that I wasn't, that's not what I was talking about. You know what I mean? Um, so right. the, the point of that, uh, and like I said, I threw that in there because I wrote that I had assumed people understood that. And, you know, there were some people in there said like, I, I got that, but the, because, you know, obviously you guys, unless there's something I don't know, you guys haven't been to Jamaica. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, unless there's some covert operations or something like that, or there's some like drug lord or something to take down, then Jamaica, it, what reason would you guys have to be in Jamaica? You know? And so, uh, it, not your general, you know, don't exactly. force and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Not so. And, and when I put, you know, native American nations and I put, you know, middle-class, that's not, it's not really a military operation. And so yeah. the, the big thing was that it is the corporations that do, uh, that seem, and, and maybe you can correct me, that seem to benefit off of the operations of the military that seem to benefit off of, you know, uh, instability within different communities or different countries. And it seems like this happens time and time again. And when this happens, in my opinion, over and over again, you wound up, you or wound up, you wind up with things like this. I think that there's, you know, entire classes that continuously get exploited. And I would, there is, there's certainly some level of <clears throat> of ownership uh, of in, on, on the individual level. But I also believe that at a certain point, when you do have the privilege or the capability or anything, when you have something like that, it is, at least in my opinion, it's my, at least if I were in that position, it w- I would take it upon myself or it would be my responsibility to ensure that people don't fall into those kinds of problems where they can be exploited. And so when I see the things that are happening out right now, when I see things like buildings and stuff and businesses getting destroyed, whether they're corporate or anything like that, what always seems to happen is that there's a void and that void gets filled with something because typically whenever there isn't a true strategy to rebuild something that gets messed up or something that uh, does get utterly destroyed, it's always someone else who has some kind of ulterior motive that seems to take over. And that's why when you and I were going back and forth there, I was talking, you know, I made a comment about um, Iraq's resources and stuff like that. And, you know, I there's I use and I can't remember the dude's name. I, I used to work out with him at uh, Parks and Rec, but he was a contractor and just construction contract. Yeah. And after everything went down in the war, he was talking about how much money he made off of literally selling back the very thing that was destroyed, you know, and. years later i'm just like how do people sit there and 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 sleep well at night knowing that something like this happened if i were in the military i would be like i would be joining in these things because it's like dude you guys are capitalizing on the work that we did yes in some of these places there were terrible governments and there were people that were horribly oppressed and stuff like that but why why do we allow these other groups to step in and do whatever they want and when there is that kind of a vacuum, again, corporations take over. And I believe that that leads 
or led to groups like ISIS taking over and doing stuff like that, at least in those specific countries. I, I would agree with that, you know, and, and going back to that post, you're talking about, you know, that, whoever that guy was, where his name now, but uh, I, I didn't see, it. you know, the oil there. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody, everybody that really, you know, kind of our generation of Vietnam, you know, we're there for the wrong reason. We're, we're there to steal a resource. I'm like, no, we're not. I never saw that. And what, they, what, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, they didn't see, I didn't see that they had, I mean, I, I'd been into Saddam's palaces and things like, yeah, he had some gold. That's what you had mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. He did, he did, but you know, it, and you, if you've got the fact on that, you know, Tell me, mm-hmm. but he, how much gold did he have? Like, really? I mean, it, it must have been a personal stash because he didn't share it with anybody else there. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. the rest of that country uh, was poor. They, you know, you're in a you're in a desert country like that, and their biggest import in Iraq is sand. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to import their own sand just to build their own buildings. So, how much, you know, are they spending in that? <laughs> you know, what they have surrounding them. And they've got to import it, you know. Well, I, I do think that we should be mindful of not making the connection that just because a country seems poor doesn't mean that they they we we can't discount the fact rather that their leaders are in potentially insanely corrupt. And it's very common. Oh, you see it in yeah. other countries where they take yeah. a lot of resources and use that to their advantage and not the other people because you know it's it is you know i believe and i, and I can look it up here but i think iraq is in like the top top 10 top five as far as just oil reserves um and and i can try and let me see what they have here and it, let be, me see by 2000 do what now yeah i would say they'd be closed but uh so UAE, no. Kuwait, Iran. Oh, are you checking it out? Thank Venezuela. No, no, I'm just going off the top of my head here. Who would be above them? Mm-hmm. Uh, Venezuela, Iraq. Iraq be, could be number five. Venezuela. I think Venezuela may be number one. Actually. Sure, sure. You know, it's. I think that certainly oil is a... Um, I, I, I feel like we'd be foolish to not think that that might be one resource there but um obviously there's going to be other resources and of course just positioning i mean you you can check in my in my at least i believe that you can check that there's always a reason for any kind of you want to call it occupation or anything of any certain area and again this is not me being anti-military or anything i get the biggest hard on when i see like f-22s and shit like that like like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of military history, but I still like to be pretty objective about things. And I think we would be heavily remiss to think that there wasn't any kind of benefit from that. You know, you can think of things like Vietnam War and how Halliburton made billions of dollars off of that war. And so I, I like I want to believe or I do believe and the, you can check it out anywhere that there is information showing that people vastly benefited on this and so that's why i listed those countries you know and and when you look at something like the banana market in in like jamaica i want to say that the u.s might be the top 
might own a huge chunk of the banana market when it's in reality it should come from countries like jamaica and you know if you um so there's there seems to be a pattern of constant exploitation worldwide somalia all those different countries that that i listed there there's a pattern of that kind of stuff happening and the connection that i'm trying to make is that this happens on the same level or at at a at a lower scale at at the local and state level and then one of the things that you had said you were like look at the faces of the or if you can you could you paraphrase kind of what you said when you wanted me to think about look at the faces you know okay start the post that again like i took it as an attack on the military not as you know not dealing with the corporations so sure when you said that i was like you know it it made me like it felt like what you were trying to say what I did wasn't worth it, but what we all did wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And no matter to me, no matter what I am, I agree with you hundred percent. A lot of politicians, a lot of businesses profited off of, I mean, not just Iraq, Afghanistan. I mean, they're still, you know, profiting off that, but to us, when you, when our feet hit that sand over there, mm-hmm. we don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you immediately go to stay alive, keep your brother alive, sure. and save that country. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, you're over there, you, you get sent over there, and that's the, that, that's pretty much the, uh, the way it goes. You try to keep yourself alive, try to keep your brothers alive, and then you get out there and you see what kind of, you know, what kind of shithole so, you're in. And yeah. you, Try to protect protect them as much as you can and do what's right for them. Because yeah. you really don't. Yeah, we, we care about America, but when you're on that soil over there, mm-hmm. America doesn't really matter. You're not there. You know, there's sure. nothing you can do. So you've got to do the best you can and try to try to protect the people in that country and try to you know bring them up to speed. I guess you would say and sure. out of their Sunni realm and their dictatorship. So one of the things that that you like, I've, I've got what you had said and, and I'm glad that you're seeing with that. I guess we're in agreement. It's not that it would be fine if we didn't agree, but um, it's cool seeing that you also recognize the, the place where corporations and stuff like exploit the efforts of everything. You know, you might have a good or well-intended uh, mission or well-intended just idea or something, but there seems to always be someone who who benefits. And this, there's such an insane pattern of that happening that that you can trace yeah. all through history. And you start to wonder why are we? What are we doing? And so when you would ask, like you've clearly never seen the face of an of an Iraqi woman or child after you've liberated them from an abusive lifestyle, I think that the same could be said about people here. You know, I think that there are people out there that clearly haven't seen the face of black, brown, uh, Latino, like every type of person that just doesn't look like them in general. And not just on the ethnic or, or, or racial level, but just on the economic level. I think that we don't do enough of looking at people to see that I believe that we are in a very abusive lifestyle where <clears throat> we're fed this this notion that. The only way to make it anywhere is to 
continuously work, 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 and to put people in that, in that part of that is is fine and, and good. But when you have people in a cycle of continuously working, where all that they're thinking about is just how am I going to get food on the table, it's very hard to see every other thing that's going on. And then there are, I believe, there are like constant bids to pit different classes, to pit different people against each other. And it's done behind the backdrop of hard work and all this kind of stuff. So you create societies where people are just dependent on this, their job, dependent on work. And over time, you know, they'll, they'll be thankful for their job at the cost of all this. And over time, people start to I think that the Internet has exposed a lot of people. And as people have become more and more aware, they're becoming more and more mad. And so I, I, I don't understand where the disconnect is for for whether it's military or, or not. That desire to go and help someone who is in an abusive lifestyle, just like you would like you had typed on there. Why is it that we can't go and do that and see that over here? Is it because we think we're the greatest country no matter what is always better than everywhere else or what? Well, I, I would say it's because, you know, the the opportunities are there more so in this country to do that. You know, you're, you look at America and, you, you know, you've got the socioeconomic status and all that. And you've got you've, you've got three classes you, know, you can you can break them down smaller than that, but you've got your lower class, middle class, upper class. You look like those countries you listed. There is no middle class mm-hmm. in these countries. You're you're poor, or you're rich, mm-hmm. so they don't have a voice at all in those countries. The poor over there, they're just so poor. I mean, there's no. I mean, they can't even own gun, own buy guns to revolt if they wanted to. <laughs> sure, you know they're so poor they'd have to you know break out the slingshots. Uh, whereas here. We do have that opportunity, and to do that, we we have a middle class, and it it's I don't know it's uh, you know I I look at you know my my wife is an educator, and mm-hmm. we've gone through you know all her schooling and things like that, and I've seen like all the things you know we, we're gonna turn this into a race thing obviously it's it's you know what's going on in the, in the world it's, no. it, right now it right now it is a race thing okay it, it is a race thing i mean sure. it, it's going on it, it's it's pitting people against each other and i don't understand i'm like you know we do have to work you know i'm, I'm fortunate i grew up middle class my wife grew up middle class uh you know we were able to go to college mm-hmm. but then I saw, you know, we didn't, we didn't have anything given to us. We were mm-hmm. just, you know, we were able, we were, we didn't have to, you know, find where we were going to sleep at night or if we were going to have to worry about food. So we were, we were lucky there. We were able to study and things like that. And, you know, you have your poor, your lower class that is not able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, but on the other end of that, I also saw, you know, going with her trying to figure out how to pay for her college and things like that and not taking out all these loans you know, there's so many opportunities out there for Indians, you know, immigrants, black, whatever, that just aren't there for what the white, you know, the, the middle white class, you're mm-hmm. just kind of, to me, we were, you know, oh, you, you've had enough, 
you know, you, you made it this far, <laughs> you're kind of on your own, just pay for it yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a lot of people can get, you know, federal loans and things like that, get them forgiven. Uh, where, where have you seen them get, are you, are you referring to just like grants versus financial aid? Yeah. Yeah. Financial aid, you can get more like, even like, uh, I looked into, cause I, it's a funny story, but I was told, uh, my mom thought that we were, uh, eighth Indian, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, break down and to get, uh, it, it, it was a stupid amount off at like Western, even at mm-hmm. Western here in town. Uh, and luckily with my, uh, family, my dad made her do the, uh, you know, you send in your genetic DNA and all, you know, all mm-hmm. that. And it turns out there was no Indian. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so she went her whole life thinking we we're Indian, partly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, there were benefits if you were Indian. You know, you got twenty five percent of college or whatever it was. Do you do you <laughs> wonder though if that is a form of slight exploitation for? And I'm not trying to pigeonhole you. I'm like when we do these kind of talks, we like to put everything through the grinder and just like objectively talk about things. Okay, so don't think that I'm trying to like pigeonhole you or anything like that. But did you do you ever wonder if that tactic subconsciously is semi exploitative for the people who actually might need that? And it's not to say that your needs aren't also valid, but it is valid to, to understand or it, there is some validity in the fact that your history, if you will, is a lot cleaner than that of the other people. Right. No, I agree. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't say it's exploitative. I would say they they need it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that we have three classes for that reason. You know, there there is a lower class and they are afforded these benefits to get them to give them the opportunity to move up in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just because they you know, just because you grew up that way doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Now I get it. You know, there are cases it's so bad. You can't, you just can't get out of it. Uh, yeah. And I'm you glad know, that you're, you you're drawn into that. Yeah. I mean, there, you just draw, you're drawn into lifestyle and you know, there, there's some people, there's just nothing to do. White, black, Indian, doesn't matter. You know, if, if it's so bad, some people just don't get out. You know, mm-hmm. and if you make mistakes at a young age, unfortunately there's no turning around, you know, for a lot of people. But in this country, you know, you are afforded the opportunities that in those other countries that you listed, you don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, you either work the oil fields or you own the oil fields and there's no in between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're working for nothing, you know, just like, you know, back in the days when we had sharecroppers, you know, you, you didn't really own it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody was always profiting off of it more than you were. So one of the things for that, I, that I at least want to just run by you is like, for me, we are, um, I would say by, by Bowling Green standards. Okay. When you factor in mine and, and my wife's salary, we would be considered upper middle class. Okay. Um, but what I, what I believe is that I did not learn anything in terms of how to make it there 
until I lived in a neighborhood where the people didn't look like me, where it was predominantly white. Right. And I learned different types of things. And, and I, and I think we really, you and I really need to put an emphasis on the fact that it's, it really isn't, it is, is equal or is similar as one might think. And I think that, and, and part of me even used to think that too, but I didn't, I didn't recognize how, how much or how hard or much harder that it was to, or that it is to be able to get out of uh, situations like that or classes like that, if you will, until again, I, when you're not having to think about paying bills and, and expenses and stuff like that, it affords some mm-hmm. people mental clarity to, to think about other things like, you know, my place. In the and because of that, it, it really got me down because I was like, holy shit, why aren't those the opportunities that I was given available in those other spots? And so it started to make things clear, like the reasons for why there are um, different types of scholarships and stuff like that that are afforded to people of certain races or ethnicities versus white people. Right. And I just kind of want to uh, feel on that. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, do they do they deserve it? Yeah. I mean, it gives them the opportunity to get out and it it only grows the economy, you know, and that's mm-hmm. say whatever you want. Money rules the world. So, I mean, that's 100 you know, percent true. That's, that's how it goes. We, we want to get everybody. Well, most people want to get everybody out of poverty. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> some don't. Some, yeah. some meeting down there, but, uh, you know, it, we, it, you know, and my wife would kill me if she, heard, she might be listening. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> you look at, you look at, it's just a failure of our education, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, you know, when you start kids out of five years old, the majority of their day, they're spent with educators. Mm-hmm. They're spent, you know, the counselors, they're supposed to be, you know, helping them, uh, and, and to me, that is, I think, the, the biggest fault between, you know, the, the classes is yeah. lack of education and lack of parenting. Yeah. And I would put, actually, I would put parenting number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of your, you know, the stats are out there. It, you know, most of your poor families, I don't, I don't care what race they are, mm-hmm. you know, and your, your troubled kids, they come from a single parent family. Sure. And that that's the biggest downfall in this country. You know, you got, you know, most countries, they don't do that. You know, they don't, they're not a, a divorce rate like we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think that not having a father figure is, you know, usually it's the single moms raising the kids mm. and it's, it's just hard to discipline kids and, and work yeah. full time and things no, like that. that. That's totally valid. There's actually something that I read. I'm, I wish that I knew exactly where it was, but it stated that over 70% of uh, black children are born out of wedlock. And mm-hmm. if you just think, I mean, you can probably think of any of your black friends and think of how many of them have both parents there for them. And, yeah. uh, if you think of the differences, not to say that, that it's just automatically going, you're going to fail or anything, Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's not to say that you're automatically. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's turn all it down. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> but it's not to say that you're destined to fail, but your chances of success are going to be harder, much harder. Correct. And, and, and you know, and that's not you were talking about the, the black right there, but I can just go say, you know, my friends growing up that I that I saw that were, you know, we were all in the same class for the most part. You know, we you know. Even after that, you know, that main developmental stage, you know, at year five to 12, you know, we're learning things and you know, before you get in your teenage years, mm-hmm. you know, I saw them get in, you know, they kind of already developed. And then, you know, you got 13 to 18 is kind of another stage. And if their parents got divorced, mm-hmm. you know, in that stage, I still saw them fall off. You know, it, it would just, ruin their life like you would just you could see them take a turn yeah and it was it was always for the worse always for the worst you know it might not have been that bad but there was always a downfall somewhere something happened you know whether it be drugs grades quitting jobs you know just being a recluse whatever Mm -hmm. and none of those you know they're they're gonna set you back in life no matter what Mm -hmm. you know that's always if you're not always going forward then you're you're doing something wrong. Sure, you know, sure. You're, you're not doing something wrong, but you you, you step back and you're not going to be yeah. where you could have been in life. Sure. Want, like that yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, I want to sort of move some of the conversation sort of back to um, just just the idea of looting in general and taking it on a grander <laughs> scale just to show how, how much that um, that really does happen at a large scale, like larger than what's happening right now. Um, you know, and I don't know, I'm reading off of Wikipedia. This could, this could have been, uh, changed or something like that, but you never know, but I'll, I'll, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you want, but it says that according to the, uh, congressional budget office uh, report published in October, 2007, the U S war in Iraq and Afghanistan cost taxpayers a total of $2.4 trillion. But it said that Halliburton, made i believe let me pull the number i think it was 34 billion dollars off of off of that just the, that war alone mm-hmm. you know and it's like do what? well you look at you look look at what halliburton does uh sure take look let's just say i mean they they had many different they weren't just security yep. they did have security assets and they, they, they had roads construction they built, yeah some of the roads all that and mm-hmm. Stupid amounts of money that we paid them. Mm-hmm. We paid them. I mean, we didn't. We didn't take it. Iraq didn't pay it. Nope. But you know, I would talk to the guys. I was on a little base, kind of in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and we had two guys from Halliburton. Uh, I don't know if they had changed names then by then or not. I can't remember. But they were they were there on base, and uh, you know, your average sergeant in the military working 24 hours a day, pretty much, you, yeah. you know, you're making like $4 an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, like that. These guys were making $60 an hour. Wow. Working. And, and they, all they did was empty porta shitters. That's what really? they did. $60 an hour to drive around on a base. They'd never left base. Wow. And empty porta shitters. So that's where a lot of many, a lot of our government money went to, you know, and they were, you know, they'd work six months at a time, go home for six months, come back and do the yeah. same thing. 
So and those are that's that's guys enter, entering the the Johns. So what are the yep. electricians making? Yeah, and you know you think of what was Dick Cheney's connection with Halliburton? Uh, I don't remember. I believe he, you know, there it is. You know, he he has. It says here that he was um, chief executive from '95 until he left in 2000 to run for vice president. You already know how the game goes. When people, you don't, you don't ever really leave a company like that. You know what no. I'm saying? Not when you're so, CEO. Exactly. And so when you think of that, like. That, in my opinion, seems like a form of looting there. You see that there's destruction there, you say, or or even when awards, when contracts get awarded, you see that there are companies that are in place to be able to, and I'm doing my air quotes here, pick up the pieces like that kind of stuff makes me absolutely sick to think about. And it makes me wonder, like, if if we go in and obviously this is a pipe dream will never happen. It just seems like if you if something gets attacked that is collateral damage, potentially collateral damage um, for a for a war to, to be able to accomplish a mission, there should be no. It should just be like we broke it. We'll build it. You know what I mean? And then but it starts to make me wonder. It's like. And obviously this, this may come off as anti-military. It's like how much destruction is needed for 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 Halliburton to make that much money off of the war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was just Halliburton, but I'm just thinking back to the destruction we did accidentally. And it actually, it, you know, it adds up pretty quick, Mm -hmm. you know, going through these, you know, we used to, we were in tanks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't just bump into something with a tank. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just a, you know, you don't just, nick a brick or something you did yeah. take down walls or you crush a truck or you hit it with the gun tube or whatever so mm-hmm. we had vouchers and things like that we had to hand out uh, and i would assume honestly I, I don't know i would assume that came straight out of the government money not somebody like halliburton unless it was maybe a, a structure yeah like yeah. that uh but roads you know you look at roads we were the the stretch of road that i ran for ran it for about five months. We hit over, I think it, I think it ended up being what we actually hit was 44 IEDs mm-hmm. in our company. So you think every time one of those IEDs blew up, that road had to be repaired. Mm-hmm. It, well, and most of them, that's just what we hit. We found sure, it, sure. Was, it was well over a hundred that we actually destroyed some of yeah. on site. So you're looking at, a, you know, a hundred, say a hundred IEDs in a, yeah. 30 mile stretch of road mm-hmm. that we patrol between Fallujah and Ramadi mm-hmm. or TQ and Ramadi. Uh, and every one of those got to be repaired so that we can continue to patrol that road. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of that was brought on by them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and we do have to, but we had to repair it where they'd be even in a worse situation than they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd, they'd be, you know, trying to travel through the sand again. Sure, sure. Uh, you well, know, there was. A, yeah, I mean, should they make that much money? No. And, and it's that, like, but that, and that's not even over. That's not overseas. I mean, that, yeah. that's just, that's not just a war type thing. You you mm-hmm. look through a catalog of a government catalog, say for the military or any any government branch, 
when they've got to order a supply. You look at a toilet seat that you can go buy at Lowe's for seven dollars will be sixty dollars. Yep. Just because it's the government, that's what they yep. got. You know, that's the bid for it or whatever. It, it's insane. Yeah. They're um. I, for some reason, I've always wondered why prices and stuff like that are like that. It it still makes no sense to me well it's that way no. you know and I'm, I'm reading this um this is from business insider and i know i floated that number of 30 it was 30 something billion dollars like it says that uh, it says according to the bipartisan commission on wartime contracting in iraq and afghanistan the level of corruption by defense contractors may be as high as 60 billion dollars like and so the connection that i'm trying to make to what's going on now in these other cities is that someone is going to profit from this destruction here, you know? And and I've always said that if you, I've been saying it online, I've been saying it on different episodes and stuff like that, like, I'm all for things burning, okay? But if it's, it needs to be rebuilt. I said, if you have it in you to blow something up and burn it, you need to have it in you to rebuild it and do it in the image of the community. Like, I would love to see the community members rebuilding those small businesses. And I even say, do not fuck with small businesses. They're the backbone of the majority of, like, I, that part I don't understand, you know. Um, but if you're going to burn these things down, if it does happen, build it in the image of the community. Don't make these businesses and these other people dependent on these corrupt organizations. And that's the kind of stuff where it seems like it seems very easy for me to equate the and i'm doing my air quotes looting that has been done on a grand scale for other what is happening in these small cities yeah. or large cities yeah i mean I, I, I wouldn't put it on that on that same scale but mm-hmm. a lot of ours is here i mean you're, you're seeing in the news and it, they're trying to hide it as much as possible but most most of these problems most of these looters and the people that actually actually causing an issue aren't from the cities that they're causing the issues in. I have a feeling that that's the case. I really do. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's buses, you know, they're bringing in buses. There's, there's people, you know, was a couple of years ago, uh, it wasn't the Trayvon Martin. Which one was it? Uh, isn't that sad that we have to do that? Like, yeah, listen to how that came out. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was another one, you know, George Soros was involved in, you know, the Antifa and all that, you know, in, in the funding. And how crazy is it that now we're in an election year and there's mass chaos. Mm-hmm. But it's not so crazy that we're going to shut it down, even though we were supposed to be in the middle of a pandemic. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not that bad, right? You know, everybody was going to die. If we all got together. But we're still well, allowing this to happen. I don't think that people were going to get rubber pelleted or anything like that because they wanted to go to Olive Garden and get haircuts and go bowling and stuff. I feel like it's yeah. on a little bit of a different level. Um, yeah. And so I thought that, oh, hey, hey, there's Mark there. Um, I feel that it was on a very much. Hey, is is Zach coming on, Mark? Um, no, I Dude, I'm so sorry. I stepped away from the computer and it started watching billions. Oh, that's such a good show. 
I've been wanting to show. watch that show for a long time, and then yeah. it showed up on one of the streaming platforms. Yeah, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry, man. No, no, you're okay. You're okay. Well, we were really we were 43 talking. minutes and 16 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, but we were um, we were talking about you know I had made a post uh, uh, about just looting at a at a high scale when I talk about corporations exploiting. Yes. Um, the efforts of military exploiting the instability of other countries and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm equating that to what um, is what is happening here. And uh, like my belief and I, and I haven't said this just yet to, to Mike is that I feel like the the only difference between the people doing looting and the people uh, the people doing looting at at, in this at the city level mm-hmm. versus the people doing looting at the national country economic level mm-hmm. are suits and education you know a couple things like that yeah our and, country is predicated on looting so mike i know you had said that you what, what are your thoughts on something like like that would you and again it's it's this is not a military thing. This is a corporate thing. You know, there's always been some kind of company right. that profit, you know, I, get, I think the term is war profiteering and, and there's always something like that. And it's, it's in the best interest of corporations, of businesses, of profiteers to have instability because that does create a dependence some way, shape or form. Right now in this, you know, like, like I just talked about, you know, mm-hmm. we're in an election year right now. Mm hmm. So who is that going to benefit right now? It's not going to be Donald Trump. The Mm -hmm. looting doesn't benefit Donald Trump at all. It's going to be, you know, I just, I don't see, you know, he, did I vote Trump? Yeah. Is he an idiot? Absolutely. But (laughs) he's not going to be the one to say, yep, we're going to come and rebuild for you. No, Mm -hmm. he's going to, he's going to say, you did this to yourselves. Whereas, you know, the, the left and the independents would say, you know, we'll help you out. We'll fi- we'll figure out a way, you know, to help you out, you know, and, and fix this problem where I just don't think Trump's going to do that. So I think that's what that's the benefit you're looking at now mm-hmm. for the left in this in what's going on in our country. They're they're you know, mm-hmm. drooling right now at seeing what's going on. Uh, I have I have a feeling. I'm sorry. Finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. No, that's it. No. That's it. Oh, OK. Now, I, you know, my feeling is that there is there comes a certain point in and we've said it on our different episodes there comes a certain point in one's opulence or in one's just or just in a in a in a company state of being if you will where they transcend politics where it isn't a left and right thing where they will i don't think that biden benefits from this and i think that i don't think that trump benefits from this honestly but there are. I don't think. Do what? Go ahead. No, I, no, well, I, I don't think Biden does. But uh-huh. maybe the left does. Okay. I don't, I don't know that Biden does, but in your, you know, you see these in the cities where it's happening that are all yeah. democratic cities where it's happening, and they're they're not taking the action, so they are benefiting, you know, in the fact that they're they're being looked at. You know, they're not they're not going out and killing people. They're not stopping it. So. Mm-hmm. You know they have the potential to be reelected, and they they know that they're not going to stop it because if they stop it, that money stops flowing in to them, and mm-hmm. 
we all know politicians are corrupt, so there's money coming in from the side mm-hmm. for each one of them. So if they're at an office, that money stops. So they're not yeah. going to they're not going to cut off the money train. I think I agree. Uh, I agree in part with that. Um, I think that whatever company aligns with whatever candidate, the, I think that the repairs are going to get done. Um, I think that the cities are going to do it like they would do anything like, uh, and you know, an RFP would probably get put out and people are going to bid. It's going to be one of those lowest bidder type things for the big companies. I believe, I don't know what's going to happen for the small businesses now where I do see where there is some kind of political gain in that, in a situation like that would be if a mayor or something does offer some kind of a deal to get their cities rebuilt. Um, and depending on, you know, what way that mayor sways, um, that, that may have some kind of an impact there. But I think that these cities are, it's easy to call them democratic because most large cities are, I, I don't think I know of any right. massive city that isn't. Um, and that's just the that's the the way that it goes. They're they're mostly um, they're mostly way more liberal, and it's yeah. it's that's why if you look at electoral maps, it's usually red in the center of the U.S. You know, because you know those people. I don't I don't think it's a conservative thing to live in a city full of people all you know all over the, you know of different cultures to sit in the other. And that's not to say that conservatives don't like that lifestyle. I think that just by by just numbers and stuff like that, it seems like that lifestyle is more of like, hey, you go do your thing, stay out of my stuff. I'd rather have land and this, that, and the other and keep to myself. Do you see what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, you, you saw it, uh, but, you know, my entire family is from St. Louis, which was hit hard, you know, mm-hmm. back in the in the seventies with the riots and things like that. And it you had to push out of the you know, out of the city with the, you know, the whole, you know, kind of like I say, integration like that. And that you know St. Louis, I don't know I don't know if you've ever been there. Mm-hmm. The people in St. Louis are very, very similar to the people in Bowling Green. It's crazy how yeah. similar we are actually. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, but, it's a no. You know, it, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I if I lived, lived anywhere else besides here with the beach, it would probably be St. Louis. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you saw, you know, they had the riots, and I, I go down there a lot. I'm, I'm there several times a year, and man, there's still stuff that just wasn't ever rebuilt mm-hmm. out there. And you know, beautiful buildings, and they were. It was a large, you know, their downtown in St. Louis was mainly German. They had a huge German population that came over and the way their clay and all that stuff is around St. Louis and Illinois, they were able to build everything with brick, mm-hmm. beautiful structures. And, you know, that is now their, their projects Yeah, because everybody left. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that happens? It, well, that, that was integration. They just, they just weren't ready for it, honestly. But, mm-hmm. uh, now with i'm sorry they they can't they can't afford it now i mean Mm -hmm. to rebuild i mean you're looking at the stuff now that that was built back in the 60s and 70s and the actual city of st louis owns most of those buildings now and they can't afford to tear them down because of asbestos and things like that just stuck with them 
it costs too much. It costs more to tear them down than it does to rebuild them. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I believe will happen, and, and I was, this kind of, again, falls in line with a sense of, of, of looting, and you will, if you will, when there is a vacuum, and at this at this small scale that we're talking about, that vacuum is the store being destroyed. When there is a vacuum and no one steps in and takes it, that's where the exploitation happens. And I think that in some of these places where these things were, these buildings were destroyed, these small businesses were destroyed, I think that the wrong group is going to come in and turn them into extremely expensive apartments. And you're going to see that effect of gentrification and you're going to see people get pushed further and further and further away from economic epicenters, which will then lead to more economic strife and problems and divide. And then we'll hit another cycle of this happening again. And I think that something like this has happened, especially in, you know, just to to have a local idea of it. And Mark, where where, um, where you are or where you were in Nashville Uh, That's something that's prevalent over there. But here it's just downtown. You go downtown and look at Bowling Green. Really expensive apartments, but a lot of people got got moved away. You know what I mean? A lot of houses got and and maybe they were condemned. Maybe they were something else. But there is even a pattern of that even over here. Like you go and check the history books of what life was like across the train tracks. I'm doing my air quotes, you know, or even a lot of the area that Western occupies now. Like those are people's homes and the thing to do is to push people out. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And so if you don't, if these people are going to burn things down, if they're going to destroy, I'll keep saying it, I'll keep saying it. It has to be rebuilt in a way that matches the culture and the the feel and the society and all that kind of stuff of of the way that is representative of that community. They need to be the ones to take it over. You know, that might be a thing that you said uh, that Trump will, will want them to do. You said that he would just leave that there. Is that what you're that's what I, I taught I, earlier? I believe, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he would. You know, he's just type of person he is. Say, if you burn it down, you're stuck with it. You know, you know, unless you rebuild it yourself, we're not going to come in and give you for something you burned. We're not going to give you funding to rebuild that you burned. I have a feeling that he would capitalize on that because he would be foolish to not start worrying about his chances of of reelection. I still think it's going to be close, but I I think that the economy is shit. You know, there's all this stuff going on. What better thing than to be the person to pick up the pieces and, and help to rebuild these areas? Yeah. You know, well, um, we're, we're we're looking at June fourth right now. So what do we got? We got five months. Mm-hmm. I would I would say you're right. Had this happened, maybe the end of last year. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's going to be it, it. It's just going to be ongoing. Yeah, up until the time that you know we're not going to even have a a, a plan yet to yeah. to rebuild to recover from yeah. this. You know, we're we're still looking at you know what they're saying another spike in the coronavirus and all that we're just going to stay in turmoil for the next six months i don't think i'm sorry a plan yet i don't think there'll be a plan yet by the time the election comes and we'll see how that we'll see how that goes this this, what i want to ask is do you do you get it why 
they're they're doing what they're doing. And and I ask that because you've been in a country where um, you've been to Iraq and stuff like that. And you can you, you probably study history. You know that there are things that have been done to a lot of the people in these countries where you sit there and you're like, well, fuck, that's why that's probably why they're they're fighting us back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. After yeah. It, especially after it was seen that, OK, there were there were no weapons of mass destruction, just like they had said before. You know, do you ever yeah. wonder when people are doing what they're doing now? Can you see why they do it? I see. I, I don't see the, the the looting and the burning because mm-hmm. you know, like we, we were talking about, a lot of these. When you look at the communities, most of them that are being looted and burned, you know, other than some of the, they're hit, they are hitting some of the, the nicer downtown areas. You mm-hmm. know, but a lot of them, they're in their own communities. They're burning their own infrastructure. They're burning their own, you know, the resources. You know, where they go to get groceries like that. The Kroger up in Louisville on the West End mm-hmm. that shut down, that they looted. Like, where? If you don't have transportation, those people are screwed now. They can't yeah. go get groceries. They can't walk to get groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't agree with that at all. I, I agree with the peaceful protests, uh, all that, and honestly, even shutting down the roads. You know, interstates not okay with. Uh, you know that that's the way of life, and you know. It, that's how we get our goods. You know, mm-hmm. our commerce comes down the, the interstate trains and waterways. So mm-hmm. those got to stay open. Uh, but, you know, I, I've seen St. Louis has actually done pretty well compared, you know, after the whole, the Ferguson thing, after that mess. But, you know, I've seen my family up there and I have a, uh, I've got a cousin that is extremely left wing that I don't always see eye to eye with, but, you know, <laughs> she was out with, you know, her and her fiance and, Cops came out, walked arm in arm with everybody, and this is a predominantly white area. But there was mm-hmm. a, you know, all the black people that were in that area came out, and they walked mm-hmm. hand in hand with the cops, with the white people, walked straight down the street, you know, and 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 made their protest, and it, yeah. you know, it, it was publicized, uh, and nothing, nothing got destroyed. So I, I'm okay with that, but I'm, you know, I've got several guys that I was in the Marines with up at Fort Knox that are now cops up in Louisville. And they're just mm-hmm. like, it's insane, man. Like, you know, it's all downtown. There's he's like, you know, they're destroying their own stuff. They're, like transportation is not running. Like they just, you know, quarantine themselves for a long time. Yeah. They can't get yeah. out now. And Mark it's not something that can be rebuilt overnight, you know. This yeah, this agreed. It's going to be a while. Mark, can with what you've heard so far, can you weigh in? Uh, uh, po- possibly. Um, yeah, um, I think uh, the looting for those who who have the biggest, um, you know, grievance with the looting. I, I have a couple of theories, maybe maybe three, <laughs> at least two. One, one, one it's absolutely a, at a psych, a psychological thing. You have to ask. Well, it may it may be helpful or revealing to ask when they destroy their own stuff. That's you know the way that that sometimes it's said they're destroying their own area. They're destroying their own. I don't think they feel that it's theirs. That's the reason it's being destroyed. 
So for me, being a person that grew up similar to someone in the West End of Louisville, I would, I'd be curious to, to find out why they don't feel that the infrastructure, the local grocer, the local target or something, why they don't take pride in it or attach themselves to it in a way that they would want to preserve it and why, you know, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anyone examine it from that perspective, mm-hmm. but I, I want to think that if someone can be that destructive to their own neighborhood, it's, 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 it's quite possible because they don't feel that it's their neighborhood or that they have any ownership or stake in it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something worth um, looking into. The other thing is, man, the demographics of the looters and destroyers and destruction people doing all the bad acting right now, pretty interesting. There's a lot of people out there um, that seem to be upset. And you, and I've said this before on our, on our um, talks, Kalu. Mm-hmm. I think it's like my, my little 10 tiered humanity hierarchy mm-hmm. and just taking away a couple of things, man, you can really, you can really miss out on a lot of steam being blown off by the populace. I think a lot of young people are just kind of interested in the chaos, you know? Yeah. It certainly seems that way. There started, there has started to be some um, evidence of people like self policing within the riots. And that's pretty interesting. They are literally finding police officers finding provocateurs they're finding them mm-hmm. like in the and like jumping on them and then dumping them over to the police who are standing on the yeah, side that's interesting i did yeah, i have read about yeah, that yeah it's been a couple of videos that yeah. are pretty pretty interesting stuff man like for whatever the motivation might be for the pr- provocateurs we know that that happens but i'd also be interested in what what's their end goal is it to see more uh chaos so that they could quickly escalate their response and get permission, get the green light to go ahead and, and hit them with the National Guard or a stronger force to end things, you know? Or uh, what is it they're looking for? I, I'm cur- I would, I'd be curious about that. But um, I think it's a, a combination of, of, of those things. People are not psychologically attached. Mm-hmm. People are interested in exploiting and benefiting from the chaos. And mm-hmm. people are actually not accustomed to that level of energy and excitement. I really think it's 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 a factor. I noticed this and talked about this before when we we brought up the Antifa rallies and stuff. Mm-hmm. When I see those dorks fighting, I can tell they didn't grow up having gang fights like I did. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like <laughs> real life West Side Story, but we play as kids. We would play all sometimes half the summer meeting up in big fields and beating the crap out of each other. We would just do it like naturally as young boys. Yeah. Me and my six or seven friends and three or four other neighborhoods and that's and we would be fighting but not fighting fully. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we knew that we could punch each other in the jaw and it was okay. We could kick you in the meaty part of your thigh and it wouldn't hurt, but we would try not to hit in the nose or the eye. You know, we were we would play for hours like this. Mm-hmm. Police would come all the time and bust us up like, you guys gotta cut this out, someone's gonna get hurt. But we just did it. It was weird. But what it did for you, it's that rough and tumble kind of play I think is missing from Gen Z that they don't know like how easy it is to hurt somebody. Like someone trip fall hit <clears throat> and you see a lot of that too in this. I see very goofy very goofy movement like they mob a guy there's a guy with a bow and arrow yeah i saw that <laughs> they mobbed him before, but the way they mobbed him i could i swear these kids had never been beat up they're slapping not punching yeah they don't know how to you know tune somebody up 
but safely. And it's funny yeah. because you don't th- you don't think it's a thing until you see some goofy kids that don't know what they're doing. Like, man, that's gonna kill that guy accidentally because yes. they're just throwing kicks yeah. and and wailing and stuff. But yes. you know, we knew it's how to wrap somebody right? up and yeah. And um, anyway, I think it's a, a lot of those variables uh, at play. But what I'm what I'm ultimately really interested in is. I think I was listening to Rogan, and he has that perspective too. He's just so uh, oh my God, wrong. It's wrong. Like how they find the energy to be be interested in the destruction, and you cannot help. It's a little bit emotional of me, but you cannot help but ask, why do you prioritize that over life? Yeah. Like no matter how targets get burnt down, I kinda don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, compared to someone's life, like yeah. people will, will will mobilize these really uh, elegant arguments about, you know, it's like they they're ready to exercise force to quell the quote unquote violence and destruction of riots, but they don't get that's the exact point, you know. When your older brother used to do that thing where he would hold you by your head and like. You couldn't move. He would like palm the top of your head, especially if you were taller than you. You remember that? I didn't have. I had friends. Yeah, and you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're pretty tall, Kalu. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Or you can. I've done that a few times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Because you have. <laughs> the interesting thing about that is just kind of take that as like a little microcosm analogy of what's going on. When you have that sort of leverage, in order to overcome that leverage the person has holding you, you like have to flail and go crazy, and it's kind of claustrophobic, and it kind of and quickly raises your cortisol levels and you go crazy. Someone does that to you. Like if you're in freshman high school and, you know, one of the big strong singers does the, you know, stop hitting yourself thing. It drives you mad in a matter of seconds. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting how that, and that's what, that's what, how people that don't have a way of expressing or, or communicating how they're feeling or oppressed. That's what the behavior actually looks like. And I'm real surprised sometimes that people who um, are observing this, like, are are actually uh, surprised at the level of looting and destruction. I'm not. Yeah. I, I think it's right on par, if not a little bit, like, a few notches lower than 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 it should be because the amount of peaceful non-destructive protests especially if you count in the worldwide protests i think they're far outnumbering the amount of destructive bad act yeah uh, so. oh i would imagine well but they don't get they don't get publicized that's not nah, the difference <laughs> yeah they don't get they don't get a lot of attention i think the the wild stuff is still a better news clip um and, you know news still yeah, i just i just think about you know the you're in these neighborhoods. They don't have much down there anyways. Yeah. Like I, I live out here in the middle of nowhere. There's not much, you know, I got to take a little drive to get to the, there's an old junior food or something. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody, you know, the shit hit the fan, I'm not going to go. It, just, it would never cross my mind to go burn down my closest resource. Yeah. Something else piss me off you know yes why would i do that now i gotta drive way out of my way to go do something because i was Mm -hmm. because i was angry yeah you know it it, it doesn't just change your life for you know it's not an inconvenience for a day it's an inconvenience for months or years if the or forever you know if if, like clue earlier that gas station or that corner market 
maybe come in an apartment now. Yeah. So now it's gone. Your your closure yeah. resource is now gone. You burned People it down. Who can afford to buy from the gas station or from the grocery store miles down the road have zero problem paying even more money. So in essence, that area will generate more money than it was before because you have people with the means to be able to pay for it, yeah. which at the end turns into a win because we can all agree that money run seems to run everything. Oh yeah. Well, man, I, I really do uh, appreciate you taking the time. I wanted to keep this at least an hour under. Um, it really means a lot for you to, to jump on and talk and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like we've, we've, we have a better understanding of each other with, uh, uh, especially after the post and stuff like that. Um, so I do want to, I do want to thank you for your time. This is uh, around these kind of times. we have like, a moment. if you want to shout out anyone, um, I'm not going to shout out anyone, but if you have anyone that you want to say, Hey, to or shout out or tell them you love them or say, go to hell, anything like that. This is your moment to be able to say what you want. I'm, I'm good. I, I enjoy being on here and talking, you know, and actually having, you know, not a, uh, an echo chamber, you know, in the, yes. in the uh, Facebook world and yeah. where it's, you know, when you're, when you're obviously it's even better face to face than it is mm-hmm. this way. But, you know, I'm a very brash and blunt guy and sure. some of my, you know, my texts get misconstrued as well. Yeah. Uh, when I put them out there and it's just, it's just me and, you know, yeah. and I, I get that, but you know, I know you're not going to apologize for it and you, you did say you edited it, but mm-hmm. I, I did. Th- I took it as an attack on sure. not, not, you know, I, I get what you're saying. The, the corporations, yep. They benefited. I guarantee yeah. you. I sure as hell didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. come up with a fat bank account. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I did not. But, uh, you know, I, I got benefits from it that I'll, I'll cherish forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know that what we did over there and hopefully, you know, the, the guys that went before me and have gone after me in these different countries, you know, mm-hmm. some of them that you listed, you know, from a lot of the veterans I've talked to, you know, they, mm-hmm. it, it didn't matter what their country thought, you yeah. know, what the people thought they, they know they did the right thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and it all comes honestly down to women and children, everybody I've ever talked to in every, in every global conflict, pretty much, there's been some, but not, but most, most of our major global conflicts, uh, that we, you know, pretty much solely took a part in ourselves has been, you know, most of the guys I've talked to have said, yeah, the, the women and children, it was, yeah. that's what it was. That's what made it worth it to see them. Isn't, isn't that interesting with that, even on the other side, that that's something that they also believe as well. Like it's, it's crazy how ideals seem to work, whether or not it's to own the women and children or something like that, or whether or not it's for anything, but everyone seems to have a, um, a duty to their, to their country, to their families, to all these other things. And it's, it's part of why I would imagine it's part of that. That makes, that's part of the fight. Would you agree or what? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, again, dude, thank you so much for for your time and thank you for jumping on uh i appreciate everything that you've that you've done you know it just in terms of being able to communicate with me 
your military service, all that kind of stuff. I do appreciate it. I'm, you know, everyone certainly does appreciate it. And I, and I appreciate you understanding the other side of things that there is, um, always some kind of an ulterior motive. And, um, I, every story. Sure. And, always. you know, even the way that, um, just with the, uh, if you want to call it awareness that I have, um, I wouldn't even, I don't think that I would have it in me to go in and fight in a war with that knowledge that someone that I couldn't do anything to, to build it back the way that I felt did those people justice. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that, well, that's the kind just, of stuff that just, you it, hope it, that they do. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, you hope that you, you liberate them and you, you know, they can build it back the way they want. And yeah. Of course, it doesn't know. It doesn't work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I hope that the people in, in, in our communities can get some kind of liberation as well. Um, and I think that the now, for some reason, more than ever, maybe it's because it's an election year, maybe because we, we've been pent up, just like Mark had said. Um, I think people are really listening now. And, um, or they're, they're paying a lot more attention. So, um, it's going to be, uh, interesting to see the next couple of months, but I want to make sure that you and I, and, or if any of your friends or anyone continue to have conversations like these, you know, I, I encourage you to have more offline conversations with people, especially if you don't agree with them or something like that. Cause if you do feel like you come off brash or something like that, or just directing to the point, people get in their feelings. I tend to not really get you know, bent out of shape about anything on Facebook. It's just a intricate combination of ones and zeros. And, you know, sometimes I like to say some shit on there, but, um, <laughs> my thing now, especially now that I have a platform, uh, like, like our podcast to be able to have discussions with people, my, my thing for Facebook is to pull people off of there and to, in, and into this spot where we can actually put topics through the grinder and we can come right. to some kind of an understanding or not an understanding, but just be heard without saying things for likes or doing things for likes or getting in our echo chambers and stuff. So again, I appreciate everything, man. Yep. All right. Appreciate it, guys. You know, have, have a good night. Stay safe. Good and, night, uh, we'll talk later, but I'll see you. All right. See you, man. All right. There it is. I hope you guys did enjoy that one and find value in that um, whatever side of the argument that you might be on, whatever side politically you might be on. I think the biggest key is that we've got to hear each other and uh, don't ask questions to anyone if you're not ready to hear an answer. And um, we just need to be able to open ourselves up. I think that's going to be the, the first key towards us getting anywhere. So, again, if any of you guys want to be able to take any sort of topic through the grinder, please, please let me know. Please reach out. Um, this kind of stuff gets to be taxing sometimes if you don't do any of the lifting on your own. And I say that because I sometimes find myself in, myself in a position where I have to do someone else's like, like mental lifting, if that makes any sense. Like you need to be able to do some research. You need to be able to have some kind of footing in some kind of an idea and don't just come at any of us or anyone in general with just some question and and some expectation of what you want their answer to be. Um, I think that that's extremely important for, for us to not do. No expectation. That's what this is all about. And except to learn. That's what it is. Uh, so again, 
reach out if you guys want to be able to make any kind of content with us. We're more than happy to do it and hope everyone stays safe and you guys take care of yourselves. All right, I'm out.